everyone, John Pajetta here with the PT Services Group. Hope you're doing well. And welcome back to another episode of the PT Buzz. And today's episode is a, a really special one for us here at PT as it welcomes Mitch Haber with One America sort of back into the fold. Mitch has been a long-term um, friend and, and advocate of PTs and very kind to us over the years in many ways. And it's a fascinating conversation around how Mitch has taken and reinvented himself in working with advisors once COVID really hit and took hold, if you will. And what's great about the conversation is he talks about ways that advisors can innovate in the field that are transferable from what he's experienced and what he's done. And just a great conversation around what he, th- he holds as sort of three themes to how he conducts himself around hope, outlook, and optimism, and just a fun conversation. So hope you enjoy. Um, Mitch, how are you? Great. Great, John. Fun to be here. Good, Good to stuff. be with everybody again. Yeah. So what's unique here is Mitch grew up and was raised in Pittsburgh, where we are, and now lives out in California and living the beach life, I suppose. But uh, I guess for for framing, can you give everybody, Mitch, sort of your background, where you are today and and how you help support advisors? Yeah, um, I am in Los Angeles, California. And uh, as you said, I did. uh, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh and uh, moved out um, after I graduated college. And I've been out here ever since. And uh, I got into the uh, 401k game um, over 33 years ago, early in the uh, evolution of 401k. And I've, I've worked for record keepers my entire time. And all I've done my entire career is serve and support advisors uh, in their business and in their growth every step of the way. So I still enjoy it. And that's kind of kind of my story. Yeah. And I, I think as we were prepping, we were talking about how we met and we came across each other at a, a Charlie Epstein 401k coach event and then Excel and some of those other conferences that we see. So it goes back a number of years in terms of the exposure side. So it does. It does. I enjoyed I enjoyed meeting. I remember that uh, that New Orleans uh, conference uh, very well. So yes, uh, yes. Yeah, you captured my imagination right out of the gate. <laughs> and, and look, so many years later, you kept it. Yeah, and and, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about this as we go about how you how you stick out and remain memorable. Though one of the things that still sticks with me today is when we we were at the the Ritz in New Orleans for that event, and I get on the elevator to go up, and there's three basketball players that get in, and and uh, it was LeBron James and and his team that were in town, and I'm riding up in this elevator, and everybody gets off, but me and one other player, and I don't know basketball, so I don't even know who I'm in the elevator with. And he's walking down the hallway and because of how tall he is about every 20 feet, he would tilt to one side to avoid hitting the light. It was in the middle of the thing. His room was right across from me and everyone's talking about it. And I don't know basketball, so I don't even know who it was. Yeah. The funny things that stick out. So no, it's funny when, when you're around a professional basketball team. And I also feel like when you're in the presence of a professional football team, they just look a little bit different, John. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Well, for, Anybody that I have not met in the past, I am a whopping five foot seven on a good day. So uh, any basketball player towers towers for me. So M- M- Muggsy Bogues, Bogues has nothing on you, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Blood <laughs> web. So anyway, um, w- one of the things that really caught my attention, Mitch, that you've been doing and, and where I'd like to start but provide some background is I was starting to catch a lot of the things that you were doing online, mainly through LinkedIn and 
Um, I think I'm on your email list too, as, as well at, the, at that stage. And you were doing a lot of things that were different and, and trying to shift, in essence, the paradigm with COVID on how you would engage with advisors. So why don't you start there a little bit, talk through some of the thought process you went through, the types of things you're doing now and kind of what got you there. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for asking that. It's uh, It's been quite a journey. And uh, look, if you do what I do and, and maybe even what you do, uh, the art of reinvention is always kind of before us and uh, none more uh, vivid than what happened uh, to us last March. And uh, certainly as I was uh, finishing up a work trip, I realized that my world had changed. Uh, all my meetings were canceled. Uh, I had no more conferences, no more things to go, but my job didn't stop. And my desire to provide value to others really started to kind of change. And um, I got into controlling what I could control and trying my best to ignore the things that I couldn't control. And, and you know, back then, I couldn't control the news. I couldn't control politics. I couldn't control the virus, even though it was seemed to be out of control. And so I got into what I could do. And what I, what I did was... I've always been someone to bring ideas through other people to the marketplace. And I've tried to do that, not through product, but through stories and people and experiences that might give somebody some insight into what was going on at the moment. And John, I literally made a phone call in the first couple days of the pandemic to a friend of mine. And I said, hey, Don, I said, would you want to do... Um, a phone call slash webcast. And by the way, I didn't know what any of that was. Uh, I just knew that there was a word and there was some way to talk to a lot of people other than a conference call. <laughs> and, uh, and my buddy said, Mitch, let's do it. And so literally a week later, um, I think it was March 18th, I went live with what I would call my first event. And my eyes got opened as to what was going on, not only with uh, the, the guest speaker, who was amazing. He wasn't good. He was amazingly good. But I, I, I got into how people were experiencing what was going on. And I could sense intensity. I could, uh, I could sense engagement. I could sense emotion. And you know what else I got? I got feedback instantly as to how it was going through my phone and through emails. And so the experience of that first event was so memorable. I'm like, wow, what's for sale to me at that moment in time was hope, outlook, and optimism. And it had nothing to do with product. And so I started to get into what was possible and, and really... You know, here we are. I'm probably 50 events into it, and the world has just opened itself up to me in, in a manner and in a way that I never, never, never dreamed was possible. So that's kind of a, in a nutshell, what what I did. So for everybody's benefit, so if you go to your page, Mitch, and where you house all the content, if you will. Somebody can tap in, they can go through the webinars that you've done and the experiences that you're sharing and all those kinds of things. Can you walk us through, say, one that really is more memorable to you or one that sticks out to give people a sense of the type of content we're talking about? 
Yeah, um, I can. So, uh, yeah, go to my LinkedIn page. And uh, the series is now called Wisdom Walks Among Us. And so the, the wisdom is really not my wisdom, but it's the wisdom of other people that I've been able to find. And, John, um, I've been able to find people that had tragedy happen to them. I've been able to find uh, CEOs that had to deal with pandemic situations that had to rise above situations. I have found at professional athletes that had to deal with adversity. Um, I got to tell you, uh, since we're, we're in the Pennsylvania you know, area, one of the, uh, the one of the ones that stands out the most is Gene Sterator. And for those that don't know Gene Sterator, he is the guy on Sunday NFL uh, that's talking to Jim Nance and Tony Romo. And he's he's the referee in the booth. And they go, hey, Gene, what did you see? And, and then Gene gives his opinion. Well, Gene's last game that he refereed was the Super Bowl uh, two or three years ago. And um, my son Daniel had a relationship with his son because Daniel is a Daniel's a Pittsburgh uh, resident now, and he's a, a collegiate referee. And so is Gene's son. And so that was the connection at the moment. And we reached out to Gene. He agreed to do our little show. And I got to tell you, John, he brought the house down. And he, he said so many things that were poignant. First of all, he's humble. He's gracious. He's realistic. But he said something that just resonated with me. And this is what he said. He said, guys, uh, when, guys and gals, when you when you have a big meeting or a presentation in front of a thousand people, you get ready for that meeting. And eventually when you wake up on a given day, that day to do that meeting comes. He said, that's called game day. And he says, you remember in high school, the, the room looked different, the locker room looked different, the school looked different, you dressed different. He said, that's called game day. And, uh, and he was describing game day through the eyes of what he went through when he got the phone call to, refer to be the head referee of the Super Bowl. And so Gene was just one of those special people. And, um, you know, the thing about finding people like that, um, I, just, I just got so intrigued by what was possible and who was available. And you know what, what I learned? Everybody was available. <laughs> and you want to know what? I think everybody still is available. I mean, look, I'm still in a virtual world. You're still in a virtual world. Um, a lot of my customers are operating in a virtual world. And people that made a living doing live events are still operating in a virtual world. So I would point to Gene as kind of being one of those special, special people. And, and John, I hate to even isolate him and pick him out because um, it really ha has been so many people that I could uh, elaborate on. And there, I, I think there are really two big things that jump out when you go through that example is, is I think we all gain value in learning and understanding a, a lot of people are in the same bucket with us when you hear their experiences and their stories. And it also gives you that ability where you can take their story and utilize it when you're telling stories to prospects and clients that become very relatable and help people move forward because they now feel that you're just as human as they are. And, and it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity to move forward together. And I think it goes a long way um, in the sales world, no doubt. So, 
So, so tell me a little bit from the standpoint of when you started that initiative, you're, you commented, look, I didn't know what a webinar was. I didn't know how you brought this all together. I just knew I had to do some things. Talk about some of the struggles you experienced, whether, whether they're actual, hey, I didn't know I had to do this or some of the head trash that maybe you brought to the conversation yourself as you built this out. Yeah. So, um, boy, uh, the playbook. Let's talk about the playbook. Uh, it, it hasn't been written yet. So if you think it has, it hasn't. Um, John, you know what I learned? I learned something every single day on what I didn't know yesterday that I will use for tomorrow. Like I've learned so many little things like I'm, I'm, I'm creating video content now. I don't know how to do that. And so um, inviting people to attend an event. Um, I really just instinctively knew how to do that, but I became very purposeful in trying to identify the why would you take 45 minutes out of your day to give it to me? And so I became very intentional on trying to identify what that was. And I really tried to make it much, much more about the audience and the person taking their time that they would get one thing out of that, out of that example. And, and, you know, I'm experiencing these people, these human beings for the first time, just like everybody else is. Uh, and their stories of courage, their stories of bravery, their stories of change. And one of the things that I really got into is I wanted to find people that had to deal with change in a different way, because the truth was we were all dealing with change. Uh, one of the guests that I had, um, fairly recently is the author of a book, Mastering Virtual Selling. And I thought, boy, that's a good topic, uh, Mastering Virtual Selling. So is there an art? Is there a science? Is there a cadence? Is there a right way, a wrong way to sell somebody something in a virtual manner? And you know what? The answer is there is. Uh, and there's not just one right way to do it. That one was extremely well attended. And um, it also opened my eyes as to what is going through people's mind and what do they need help with? What do they wanna get better at? And you wanna know what? If you're operating in a virtual manner, the truth is you better be pretty good on camera. You better be pretty organized. You better be pretty nimble. And in fact, John, I said that I've learned something every single day. Well, last week I did uh, an event with a guy by the name of Adam Scully Power. And we all tried to prepare for everything. And I certainly do. And in the middle of the live event, the power went out in my house. <laughs> the, whole, the whole place goes dark. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And here's what I learned. Um, look, my laptop has a battery. I had it plugged in. Uh, my Zoom link goes down. My guest is in the middle of his conversation with me. And I became extremely paranoid that, oh, my gosh, this is going to like end in a disaster. Well, um, we had talked enough and we had prepared enough. He kept talking. My battery came back on. All my lights went out because I have I have some lights to kind of help with the effect. And and then I got back on probably within two minutes. And so what I learned when I watched the rebroadcast 
no one could tell. No one could tell. And and the way we had the Zoom link set up, and I didn't know this was a thing, but the way we had the Zoom link set up is as long as the person talking was the lead speaker, that's what the audience saw. They didn't see the fact that I went dark, I went blank, and I went out. And I became very concerned about that because I didn't know that. And so in, in the spirit of the playbook is still being written, I would tell you that if you think you were a really good salesperson because you've been selling for 30 years and you now had to pivot with this virtual world, I'm telling you, um, it's not the same. It is not the same. So, yeah. So, so there's three things in there that really jump out that, that you said. One was what you closed on there with the playbook and the fact that it's still, it's open-ended. So you may have sketches, you may have components to it, but you're still writing your own and all the people around you are doing the same. I love the idea of one takeaway because we, we think about going to conferences in the good old days and maybe you've been doing it for 20, 30 years and you're looking for that one, maybe two things you can take away other than the human interaction. You're not trying to learn everything anew. You're trying to get a piece to the puzzle to add into your framework. And then the change aspect, and, and you described it as, we talk about it at PT, we talk about managing at the speed of change and coping with the speed of change, which can be very difficult to do, especially if you're, you've kind of built out a process for yourself and then everything takes a 180 on you. So I, I think there's a really important components. Well, to it. well, John, think about how many years ago we met and look, you showed up at a, at a conference, you had a speaking slot. I met you as a result of that. We still talk to this minute. Um, and I actually introduced you to uh, an advisor of mine recently to do business with you. Yeah. And so, because, uh, you know, people would ask me, well, Mitch, you're doing these events. Uh, does it work? And that's a great question, right? Does it work? Yeah. So the instincts in my body tell me it does. But then, you know, if you're running a business, you want to you want facts, right? Give me the facts. So of the people that show up and by the way, um, I've gotten good at promoting. I've gotten good at getting people engaged. I've got good at getting people to show up. And what it's done is it's created my my own personal bandwidth with the audience, which is advisors, TPAs and consultants. And so if I can get exposure in what I call an invisible world, if I can become visible in that invisible world, that's a good thing. Because I'm not meeting, I have not been to an advisor's office in during this pandemic. I have not been there. I've been at Starbucks and I've been in outdoor cafes and things like that, but I have not been inside an advisor's office for that time. So the visibility factor if you ask me what was my motivation for starting it, uh, yes, it was to bring value and people and ideas, but frankly, it was also to stay visible in a world where my world had changed. And I think it did for everybody. So hopefully for the people that have um, experienced this, they've seen that something different is possible, you know, through a, a challenging moment. And, you know, it's, 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 I've done a lot of fun, different things in my sales career this is probably the most fun, the most engaging. And certainly by far, I have met people that I would have never met um, under normal services. No way, not even close. 
Well, it, it's almost like if you think pre-LinkedIn, you had a network of connections of people, Gene, your son, the overlap, all those kinds of things. And you're trying to figure out how to continue that network of people you know, and then expand it in a way or in a world that's very different where you can't get nose to nose anymore. And But th- that network is everything to a lot of us. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, I, I had uh, one of the uh, guests I had was a woman by the name of Rebecca Gregory. Rebecca Gregory was a Boston Marathon bombing survivor, was uh, sitting three feet in front of the bomb blast with her five-year-old son at the time. She was unbelievable talking about her story, a book, movie, TV interviews, uh, 70 surgeries, seven zero, wow. and and had her leg amputated. Uh, talk about uh, changing people's you know outlook and dealing with change. Uh, at the end of the, uh, the the session that I had with her, she goes to me. She says, "Mitch, would you like to meet other people like me?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Heck yeah!" <laughs> right? It's like you're like unbelievable, and so you're inspirational. Your 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 energy is contagious, and it's like, why wouldn't you want to be around people like that? And so when you get into it, and so for people that are listening. Just try it and get into it. And look, I, I'm not a TV host. I'm not a, I don't know how to do any of that. I'm not a Hollywood guy, even though I live in LA. Um, that's just not me. But what I did was I had an eye on what I really did for a living. And what I really did for a living was help and inspire other people to be better at what they do. And so if, if through this venue uh, that delivers something, then I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Yeah, I think that word that that inspiring is the key because it changes it changes maybe how you carry yourself for a day, a week, a month, and when you have those opportunities to to leap from experience to experience to keep yourself inspired, and then also use that though to inspire others, it, it changes the landscape big time. It yeah. does. It does. So, so let's talk about advisor innovation. It's one of the things we talk a lot about PT in terms of it's hard. So when I say innovation, I'm not talking about advisors starting the next great platform like Facebook or things. But I think back to the business early on in, say, the early 90s, the big innovation that was taking hold then was advisors on a consumer basis were no longer going to people's homes. They were transitioning to bringing people to them in the office. It was a big innovation in the space at the time. And so we, we find advisors sort of fall into one of two camps, though. They're, they're great at innovating, but sometimes they treat it like the new shiny thing and they spend too almost too much time on it and they lose the, the track of the basis of what keeps everything going in the engine of, of their their book of business. And then there's the other side where they start and try and innovate, but they face a little roadblock and they pull back. Can you speak a little bit to how advisors can innovate in their space and trying to find that Goldilocks of the right balance, but continuing innovation and doing things differently. But in some ways you're doing the same behavior as far as what you're delivering. Maybe the platform is different like we're talking about today, but can you spend some time there? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I've learned is that uh, an advisor's client, let's call it a participant, a prospect, whatever they want to call it, they still need help from them. Uh, the fact that you can't see them anymore does not change their need uh, for service, support, and knowing that you're there, um, even if you can't see them in the traditional sense. So, uh, pivoting to a virtual world for me 
has been one way to kind of showcase what's possible to an advisor. Uh, some have done it better than others. Uh, some, and you know what I've learned too? This, this vehicle, this mechanism can actually be more intimate and more telling for a, a person to talk to you uh, in a way that they might not do when you're in front of them in a conference room. And do you know why? Because they can communicate to you uh, over a chat, over a personal link, and they can talk to you. Well, you know what else happens during these webcasts? They're recorded. And so the other thing that's recorded is their correspondence with you. So when in our working life have you ever been able to get someone's commentary recorded? You get their name, you get their rank, their serial number, their <laughs> their email address and their cell phone. And it tells you the date, the time that they asked the question. And oh, by the way, um, that's what I learned that this actually might be better. And maybe it is better to service people in, in a broad brush. And one of the guests that I had um, on, on the webcast that I've been doing, his name's Ryan Estes. And um, he's somebody that I've been following for a long time way out of my price range uh, to bring out in person historically, but uh, just a great um, business consultant, great visionary. And when I was talking to him well over a year ago about what I wanted to do, he agreed to do our show and our webcast. And he said something to me that I've never forgotten. He said, Mitch, think bigger. And, And what that meant to me was, we now have a platform that is no longer limited to geography. It's, it's limited to what your imagination can bring. And so I've never forgotten the think bigger moment because traditionally I would be limited to my quote unquote territory, which I am as a salesperson. But the other thing too is the messaging of what you do today can be sent all over the planet because it's just at the end of the day, it's just a phone call. So I, w- I would encourage advisors that are historically doing it one way to think bigger. And there are no boundaries to what that might mean for you. And so that is the power of LinkedIn and social media. Uh, John, I feel like on a scale of 10, I'm, a, I'm at a two and a half yep. because I literally learned something every day on that. And that is the think bigger tool to get the message out to more people. So as an advisor looking to grow your practice, you can reach more people, you can touch more people. You just got to give them reason why, but they do need help. Help didn't stop uh, being a need when the pandemic hit. In fact, it changed. I, I would argue it increased, frankly, would, because totally. people had less of a network that was accessible to them. So, yeah. So, so, so stay with that theme for a minute on the think big side. One of the things advisors will tell us regularly when we get sort of that honest, calm moment is they say, I like doing these things, but I don't even know where to begin. And so I frequently just go back to doing what I know. It's, it's not that I don't want to do some of these things. I just don't know where to start. And so I, I walk away and I go back to meeting with Sue and Bob and have a great conversation. Right. What, well, what's a place you can think of they can start? Well, you, you and I have talked a little bit about this. Um, Uh, So in virtual land, there's this thing that everybody has on their laptops now. It's called a camera. (laughs) And um, why would you not turn on your camera when you can look at somebody in the eye, you can experience them, you can get to know them. And by the way, the speakers that I have had, I know all of them. 
And I know all of them because I've looked at them and I've engaged them and I've talked to them. It's true with advisors. I have had meetings with advisors in a virtual session with their entire team, but I've been able to do that in the most efficient manner possible. And so I actually think um, as you as you find ways to build relationships with prospects, if I'm an advisor, I am going all in, go on camera. You know what, it's very hard uh, to not see someone and talk to them. But when you can look at them through, through the lens, uh, my, my, my advice is do it and encourage it. And if they don't want to, I just think it makes it very challenging to get to meet someone because I do think one of the challenges through virtual is meeting new people. And I think meeting new people um, still is a playbook that is unfolding before our eyes because I think it is hard to develop new relationships. It's not impossible, but I just think it poses some interesting challenges that uh, face-to-face you, you didn't have to deal with. Didn't have, yeah. Well, I think to your point, oftentimes the, the uncomfortableness around a camera is more about the advisor than it is anybody. And you might find if you, if you carry forward with, hey, my camera's always going to be on, not every user that you're talking to is going to turn theirs on maybe the first time, but second, third time, they'll come around because you're always presenting in that fashion. So it's, yep. it's a great piece. Yep. Great piece. Hey, hey, by, hey, by the way, so the, uh, look, Zoom, if you don't have a Zoom account, get one. Um, if you have never videotaped yourself, do it, uh, listen to it, uh, practice it. There is, there is an art form to communicating um, in a video. And you know what video allows you to do? It allows you to stay present and visible before you even get there. And so why, why wouldn't you do that? So I actually have meetings that I set and I will do a video recording of what, first of all, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Here's the three things that I'd like to accomplish when we meet. I can do that in a video in, and by the way, Time is everything on a video. Less is absolutely more. And my, my message and lesson learned on less is defined as one minute. Believe it or not, I think you have a minute max to get a message out. So you know what it makes uh, the advisor and somebody like me be conscious of every single word and every single sentence, uh, sentence that I say. Yeah. I need to be very tight, very concise. And do you know what? Sometimes that takes practice. And I think what's beautiful about that is the ability today to take and embed that video inside of an email. So you can send an email out in advance so they know who they're going to be talking to. You can use it on a post basis and they don't have to go to a third party. They can just click play on the video right inside the email that you've sent them. It's a comfort factor for, for security reasons, but it also just helps continue that side of uh, you're going to see me, you're going to hear me, and you're going to have that kind of experience. And could, could you spend a moment? I know, I know you've got a, a partner in that space, even even get a little plug here, but that value side is huge. Yes. So um, what I was thinking about is just what you just said is, you know what the gift of technology is? When I send out that video in advance of the meeting, guess what I get to see? who saw it, how long they watched it for, what their name was, where they lived, and what city they were in when they watched it. Uh, 
hello, <laughs> that's actually really good to know. And if they didn't see it, I know that too, because then I know who I sent it to. So uh, one of the tools that, I, that I've come to enjoy, it's called a Lego. And uh, so uh, one of the guest speakers that I had is the president and co-founder of the company. His name is Mark Magnaca. And he's become a friend of mine, but he offers tools to advisors to record themselves in a real-time format. Uh, and it's, you know what makes it work is it's easy to use. Um, but like anything, it's a tool of the moment. And these tools do take practice. And so as, as you, I encourage advisors to be more visible in a video sense, because you can do a lot of things. You can certainly post it on LinkedIn. You can announce your arrival at a meeting. And you know what else you can do? You can send it as a thank you and a recap for, for, what, you, uh, for what you talked about and maybe identify some of the follow-up items that you have. So I'm, I'm into the being visible in the invisible world and occupying time, air, and space in a productive manner so that it works for my benefit for my business. Yeah, and it's it's a very specific, tangible component of how you can differentiate from the other people like you that they experience right now, because the vast majority of people aren't doing it, and it's a great touch point. Great no, touch point. there are still people of the uh, of the mindset that I can't wait for it to get back to the way that it was. That it was, yeah. And um, you know what? Uh, I I was a, a double, triple diamond Marriott Hilton. Delta, all these other pluses, and I, I don't know that I ever will be those again. Because and that's um, okay. Um, yeah. uh, uh, maybe, maybe this is better. Maybe yeah. this is better. Yeah. So, well, let, let's let's leave on a little bit of a different note, I guess. So, one one of the things we always talk about in my household. So, my household is myself, my wife. We have four kids, and growing up, the kids would always come up and they would tell us, "Hey, this, that, or the other thing," and. Um, I was always the the parent that was on the, hey, great job. Tell me more about it. Let's talk about it, all that kind of stuff. My wife was always the one that looked at him and said, hey, great job. Now, what's next? And it was kind of, <laughs> it was her way of getting him back to the, hey, there's always a next. And don't just, don't just sit there feeling good about what you've done. So when you think about what you've done, and this might help people who are doing some of what you're doing. Um, and, and those that still have yet to start to see the vision further down the line. So when you look going forward, what's next in the evolution of what you're doing? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I because I talk about I think about it a lot. I talk about it a lot. Um, I do think there is a a next to this. Um, I, the first thing that I think about next is how can I help more people in a, in a more specific manner. Um, I've got a lot of lessons learned about some of the skills that I've that I've just developed by accident. Um, I've tried my best to kind of document them so that I can chronologically provide um, insight into others that might want to try this. So I feel like that's a next that's a next pivot for me. Uh, the other thing too is um, the universe operates in a different way, and so as I keep meeting more and more people, um, that the caliber of talent that I get exposed to keeps going up. And you know what? When you meet interesting people interesting things come your way. Yeah. And so um, I met a, uh, a meeting a gentleman uh, this week who's in London, who is a, um, a body language expert. He's an internationally self, self, uh, self-proclaimed the master of body language in the virtual world. Well, 
you know what? Um, I don't, I do my best in terms of how I position my body and where my camera is and how I look and all that stuff. But you know what? I think that'd be interesting to hear from somebody that's done that for his whole life. And so, so there's kind of pivotal moments and then the whole presentation experience, right? So that's kind of changing before my eyes. Like before I'd show up, I'd have my deck go on screen. I might not be doing that for a while. And so how do I, how do I get better at that to increase my odds of winning? And John, the other thing that I think about my competition, and I think from an advisor's perspective, their competition is all operating on the same playing field right now. Yeah, so everything is leveled. Everything yep. is leveled. So no matter how big or how large or how big of a brand and all these other things, all these intangibles, I really do think that the competitive landscape is now equal. And so really what's out there is your imagination and your desire to evolve and try different things and then learn from what you from the lessons that you brought to your to your customers to your prospects and when you win make sure you take good notes on why you won <laughs> yes yes yeah well I'd, I'd like to leave everybody i guess with something you, you stated earlier the three parts that you talk about the hope outlook and optimism and i think that you can't say enough there you're just describing somebody that is going to help you in essence perform better on camera potentially and how do you capture that and that's that Hey, I can continually improve the, the the approach, the process I'm doing, and having an optimistic view of how that will impact not just your own personal growth, but those you're trying to support and influence. And I think it goes a long way. And in, in just saying to everybody who you are, it, it it really is a nice nice touch to the approach. I, I've I've never really uh, the product uh, that I do, and and you know, yes, I sell 401k plans for a living, but it's really the relationships. Um, I work for a company that that uh, aspires to have deep relationships with people. That fits me really, really well. Um, and and what's changed is the way I cultivate those relationships in a time when I'm not seeing people anywhere near as frequently as I used to. But it doesn't mean I can't do it. I just have to do it a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, John. All right. Let's leave this on one Pittsburgh note and tie it into what we just talked about. So do our Pittsburgh, if you're from Pittsburgh, Stillers, do they, do they have the ability to think big enough this year and, and expand into the playoffs or do they not? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I live in the world of hope and dreams. And uh, <laughs> as, as you and I talked, um, uh, uh, and if you're, if you're a Steeler fan, you'll appreciate this. Um, my attitude and the way I feel on Monday when it's football season, definitely is impacted by how the Steelers did on Sunday. I don't know when that happened or why it happens. It just happens. You just can't get away from it. And so, John, you and I are catching up with each other on a day when uh, I feel pretty good. We feel good. We feel good about the day. We do. Now, there was things that happened that might not uh, make us feel that good. But at the end of the day, the scoreboard was in our favor. That's right. So, um, so yeah, I still, even though I haven't lived in Pittsburgh, for a very long time, uh, I still bleed black and gold, and uh, I smile every time the Steelers are on my local television. So That's right. That's right. Well, hey, Mitch, thank you so much for the time. Greatly appreciate you it. Got it. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much for taking the time, joining me for another session of the PT Buzz. If you haven't had an opportunity, go to the ptservicesgroup.com backslash buzz. That's where all of our podcasts are housed. 
or simply go to your platform of choice um, for podcasting and you'll find us under the PT Buzz. But please, if you have comments or thoughts about today's conversation or you want to influence what we talk about going forward, please don't hesitate to share. Thanks so much and have a great day.